welcome to Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the 11th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 8th, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and boy, is it just me, or is summer just kind of flying by? I kind of had the realization this last week of just how fast this summer, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, has just been flying by, and it just continues to move right along. And especially that we're in this middle of this bread of life discourse in John, and it's a difficult text. There's meat on the bone, but at times it starts feeling kind of repetitive. And I will say this week was a difficult week in order for me to be able to get everything together. And This will be a dense week. There is a lot of ground to cover here to get the science tie-in, to be able to bring it back to where we're trying to get to. But it's an important week because I think it opens up the door to some further discussion that I have a feeling at some point we will need to have in kind of helping to understand some of these faith and science concepts that can be a little bit tricky to navigate through. But before we jump into that, we have to do our Twitter question from last week, which was, what are you going to stop and appreciate this week that you don't usually stop and appreciate? I know for me, this last week has just been mental health. I know there's been a lot of chaos in my life, and especially as I'm looking at the potential of what's going on with the Delta variant and what's all going on just in general with the world, and as we're trying to get back to what we perceived as normal before the pandemic and where we actually are, it's stressful. It's hard, and I can tell even for me, my mental health has been hard, and I think it's Shout out to Simone Biles, just even bringing this back to the forefront during the Olympics here, talking about mental health and how that is needed and just being able to work through it. And I know for me, there's been just some moments this week that has been very difficult for me mentally. So that's been something that I have been trying to stop and appreciate by stopping and appreciating things instead of just running on this treadmill, trying to actually stop and appreciate different moments to be able to make sure that I am filled up, to be able to bring you this type of podcast, to be able to do the type of work that we all are called into. And it's an important thing that we need to be able to do is stop and appreciate that. And I think it's one of the things that as a society we're working through and trying to figure out. How do we appreciate things and give them the value that they're due while still moving forward? And I think that's something that we're used to sprinting through and we might need to more walk through. So let's just jump into the text for this week. The semi-continuous reading this week is out of 2 Samuel chapter 18 verses 5 to 9 verse 15 and 31 through 33. This text has a lot of background that you almost need to give in. So we have fast-forwarded here. King David, as even stated in Working Preacher, was kind of a rough father around the edges in a lot of ways. But we have Absalom here, who sees that his sister gets raped by his stepbrother and gets upset that King David doesn't do anything about it. So Then he goes and kills that stepson. And then on top of that, he's kind of sitting outside the gate. And as the king is kind of the judge and jury at this time and in this place, he's kind of trying to give this false impression to people that if I were king, things would be different. And then on top of that, he ends up then forming a coup 
to try to take over David. And during this time, then, he's winning some battles and different things and really admires his hair and his looks. He ends up getting caught up in a tree and essentially hangs himself after winning one of these battles. When David hears this, it's really this text is in here for this last verse in verse 33, where he just cries out, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, I would have died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So the son who has just been treated David terribly has been this one that has been a difficult child to work with and trying to overthrow his own father. Yet after he dies, it's still this, oh, my son, oh, my son, and how much I love you and care about you. And especially with where we'll be going this week, it's kind of that same type of love that God has for us. The psalm that goes along with that then is Psalm 130, and it continues on that theme, out of the depths of my heart I cry to you, O Lord, and that God knows all these different things that makes it at times hard for us to feel God's love, but yet God still waits upon us and is still searching for us. And as we are trying to work through our iniquities, these different things that separate us from God, the Lord still is patient and is trying to work within us to be able to make us into the people that he has called us to be. The other Old Testament reading that's an alternative is from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 4 to 8. And this, again, is a short snippet of a much larger story. You have Elijah here who has just shown himself that God is greater than Baal at Mount Carmel. He finds out that the queen is trying to kill him. He runs away, gets out into the wilderness, and just says, God, I would much rather die. Can you just take me? And with continual nudging of an angel being there and saying, get up and eat these cakes, get the water, you're going to need this for this journey, Elijah gets up and is able to then continue out the ministry in which God has called him to, and this sustains him for 40 days and 40 nights. The psalm that goes along with that is Psalm 34, verses 1 to 8. This then plays into that theme of God blessing us and God working within us to be able to help us become the people of who God has called us to be. And that we have to then continue to recognize that we are trying to do that. And there's a lot of things that get in the way of us being able to do that. So thus, us trying to put that stuff aside so that God can be revealed in us. As long as we then are continued to be in that relationship to work through these different obstacles. We continue with our New Testament reading in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25 to chapter 5 verse 2. This then is reiterating how when we are working together in groups and we're together with each other, that we're trying to have the Spirit of God being coming out of us, which thus means that we need to be able to work together with people, not just be angry, to try to put that aside, to try to let the truth come through and not the falsehoods of different things, which that can divide us. That there's a lot of ways that we need to be able to try not being bitter toward each other, but trying to work together and trying to work through the different issues that we have and being tenderhearted. And I think it really comes together really well, starting at chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, 
be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us in the fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This idea of, again, letting God transcend and be part of our character in us. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 6, verse 35 and 41 through 51. This is continuing that bread of life discourse, but I think there's some amazing and important parts here that we really do need to dive into a little bit more. Starting at verse 41, you have the Jews kind of questioning a little bit, what is Jesus talking about here? This bread of life come down, and especially in verse 42, is it not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say now, I have come down from heaven? This is an important thing because especially through the Gospels, we know the heritage line here of Joseph and that it tracks all the way back to David, which we have had promises that David was going to raise up a leader. So this is a point where the Jews are not putting everything together here. That yes, there is the lineage here and we understand this lineage, but not putting together that yes, there was a promise to David and yes, Joseph's son, Jesus, is fulfilling that promise. But yet we are consumed with the moment and where we are and that how can this mortal person to them be descended from heaven to be among them? Jesus tries in this text to help them understand this and again this is very difficult for them to understand do not complain among yourselves no one can come to me unless drawn by the father who sent me i will raise that person up on the last day it is written in the prophets and they shall be all taught by god everyone who has heard and has learned from the father comes to me and then we get this again the very truly i tell you whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am living bread that came from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. This idea when we get Holy Communion vibes, but this everlasting thing that's so much deeper than what we can understand. And again, it's talking more about the relationship that Christ gives us, this constant feeding, as long as we are continue to put ourselves at the table to be able to eat at it. But also the idea of how this is so much deeper and broader and bigger than what the Jews at this moment are understanding. They are much more at the surface understanding of this than the depth of what is really being talked about here. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. I have already referenced it this week. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis. And I love having multiple different biblical scholars who work at seminaries talking about this stuff, along with commentaries from other biblical scholars all around the world. I'd highly recommend checking that stuff out from workingpreacher.org, but I'd also recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary from Vanderbilt.edu. I really like using them to be able to look at their art, 
going through the art of history and how people have interpreted these texts is can be really, really helpful to help get some ideas on how it's been interpreted before, along with I really appreciate how they lay out all their readings together. If you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary from coming from Vanderbilt.edu or Working Preacher, I can recommend both of these references highly. Okay, a lot of ground to cover here and a little time to do it, but I'll try doing it in the best that I can. And here's where we're coming from on this. First, Jesus is talking about the bread of life come down from heaven and the Jews are just not understanding it. And we know this now coming from over 2,000 years later, the depth of what Jesus was trying to talk about, the relationship that he was trying to talk about. But the Jews at the time are just not understanding that. So when we're thinking about that now, we have to then go in the science sphere, we need to go back 200 years to Carl Linnaeus. At the time, we were beginning to start to try to categorize different plants and animals together. And Linnaeus, partially why he did this is the naming constructions at the time for plants of just Europe was ridiculous. It was terrible. It was way too long. It was cumbersome. And I'll attach some links down below where it kind of talks a little bit more about that. Linnaeus then comes up with this nomenclature of trying to be able to go through and figure out plants and it got into animals trying to find common relatives. And what was really amazing that Linnaeus did was looking at more than just a surface level things that are similar, but trying to find some more keen and unique things that could possibly bring different groups together. This is what led kind of into further continuing this when Charles Darwin brought out the origin of species. And again, then people trying to go through taxonomically figuring out, can we trace it all the way back to a common ancestor? And this then gets into evolution, which I know is a controversial topic. And it's something that I haven't really talked about. And I really would like to talk about it a little bit deeper at some other time. But today we're going to be focusing more on microevolution, which is smaller scale evolution, which we see around us and we've even seen plenty of times in our lifetime. For instance, and I'll attach a link down below, a new species of bird that came out in 30 years by taking two bird populations that were isolated and bringing them together and being able to have where there's crossbreeding, thus making a new species over 30 years where it's distinctly different than what each of the original two brought in. So while you're going through and hashing through all of this, we've been working for 200 years trying to figure out taxonomically which things are closer than others. And one of the things that can be very difficult in that process is a thing called convergent evolution. It's where you have two similar features in separate species happen completely independent of each other. Things that make it look on the surface like they potentially could be related and thus then evolved off of each other from there. But they ended up evolving these things completely independently. So the example that I have that has even tripped us up that took us to DNA to be able to differentiate is Teneryx, which are native and endemic to Madagascar, and hedgehogs. Both of them having kind of these spiny, scaly 
type of things around. The thing that makes a hedgehog look like a hedgehog, Tenerex also have. And for a while, we were thinking, this is really unique. This is something very fascinating. This looks like something that would be similar. What we found when we actually did the genetic data on this, that scientifically, it looks like they diverged about 100 million years ago, which does not make them really that close to each other. Now, with all this being said, and trying to talk about taxonomy and trying to quickly go through some of the history of that, what is the point of figuring out who some of our closest relatives are? Like you hear for humans that we have over 98% of our genome is similar to a chimpanzee's and then orangutans are shortly after that. Why is this important to be talking about it that way? The reason is, is just like with your family tree, if there's hereditary things that possibly get passed on, knowing your family tree, and if there's diseases that will attach to either the X or Y chromosome, knowing if you're at risk of that, or knowing if it's in your family tree, it's important for us to be able to do that then with other animals and plant species to be able to understand that they might react in similar ways to certain types of things. Trying to recognize that similar species are going to probably react similar ways. So thus when we're doing habitat restoration or different things and we've had successful habitat restoration, maybe in a different part of the country with a similar species, we might try a similar type of practice with its cousin plant or something that's very similar to it genetically and expect a similar result. It's our hypothesis that we're expecting a similar result. But when we don't have the genetic background to be able to see that no, these aren't similar, then we have to have a separate approach on how this may or may not work. See, for me, one of the reasons like I get upset hearing that orangutans are on the endangered species list and are really struggling to survive is because of how close they are genetically to us as humans. There are probably a lot of things that we're potentially able to learn from orangutans and especially disease-wise, there might be actually some things that they might be able to handle well and that we can then can understand within our own genome how does our body react to something and it might be similar enough where it actually ends up helping with treatment in different types of medical situations. These are all important things to be able to realize because then when we're doing restoration, when we're doing things of that nature, we then are able to take these knowledge bases and be able to better predict, better understand, better have ideas on how things are going to react together. Pre-DNA of us trying to look at similar looking and unique characteristics was good in certain ways. And we were able to get a good amount of things correct, especially how Carl Linnaeus initially started us on this trajectory. But like we talked about, when we see that hedgehogs and tenerex are really not that closely related, it means that that helps us explain maybe some of the different things we were trying to work and understand and why are these things working the way that they are and that it's working for one and not working for the other. That might be part of the 
reason and thus being able to differentiate which ancestor did it lose at and helping us to better understand really the world around us. And the reason that I really feel like a lot of taxonomy really happens is for us to better understand the characteristics of the plants, thus getting to the point where we better understand ourselves. Like we talked about when you're introducing the text, the Jews are looking at it from a purely surface level discussion when Jesus is talking about the bread of life and how can he be what they're kind of asking, how can he be potentially divine but be from human ancestors? We don't understand that. And they're missing the whole point of Jesus coming down to help establish relationships so that we are closer with God. And remembering that after his death, that we, it gets embedded within us in the Holy Spirit. So this way of God trying to say, I'm trying to establish a much deeper relationship with you. I'm trying to connect with you so much deeper but they're stuck on, how can this be? Because we're on this side of the cross and we have a better understanding of that promise being given to David and how then that was fulfilled through Jesus. It helps us be able to get the depth of what Jesus was talking about. With us being able to understand common relatives of species, it helps us then to be able to start going into the depth of what they do for a community and ecosystem. What are the unique characteristics of each? So what are things that are potentially were turned on and off between the generations when they became separate species? Unique things of that nature that really helps us to better understand the world in which we're in. Why do I bring this up fully this week? It's partially the Ephesians text. Because yes, we are taught as scientists to be skeptics. To try to have multiple tests to show that what we're seeing is actually what we're seeing and not an anomaly. But when we started introducing DNA into these situations and trying to sequence the genome and realizing things, this is hard. Because you have people who have been doing this for years suddenly told, yeah, what you did for 20 years, that's not really the case. And so are you going to be bitter? Are you going to be upset? Are you going to try to overthrow the system? Are you going to try saying that that's not right? Are you going to throw a coup and say that there's a coup going on within this system? Like Absalom. Are you just going to say, I'm done. I give up on this. There is no point. I've given my life for this and this is what happens. I'm just done. There's nothing more for me to give. Like Elijah. Are we just going to be bitter and just fight it tooth and nail, which then doesn't actually end up advancing our understanding of nature and the things around us. Science, a lot of it is, is yes, we're taught these things, but we also have to hold the grain of salt of this is what we understand at this moment. Faith is a similar way because we're constantly growing and changing in our faith and expanding and pushing those boundaries so that we can understand more, to be able to have more depth. It's the reason that you keep going through these texts. I remember as a youngster, one of the things saying to my mother, why don't you go to church for three years to go through the Revised Common Lectionary one time and that you're done. And the thing is, is because you've gone through the Revised Common Lectionary once, the next time you go through it, it might hit differently. Because now you have more depth of understanding to potentially have the words speak to you differently. Make you have more questions, more hypothesis, more things that you need to test and expand and try to understand. 
God is calling us into deeper relationship through then us being interested in wanting to learn and understand more about who God is. So that means that we need to challenge and test and push these boundaries on what we understand is going on. To recognize then that through that, it's going to change our understanding of who we see God to be. And in that time, it causes us to question things, which then keeps this, I'm going to keep learning and questioning, learning and questioning ball rolling. That isn't that much different than science. It's a spot where when you evolution is one of those sticky points that people don't want to acknowledge, but when you get into it, it's that's part of what our faith actually is. We don't understand everything, and we don't understand everything that's going on around us, so we have to keep working, and they're much closer than we understand. So are we going to sit there and complain and say that this just doesn't happen, so we're going to be like Elijah and just the journey is over? We're going to rise up a coup and say we can't do this. This is wrong. Are we just going to be bitter about the whole thing? Or are we going to actually try getting below just that understanding of what we have at the moment and continue to try to work at it and understand and mold it and work on it to be able to then see the depth that's potentially there to unlock? But yes, it's going to be work to get there. Working genomes. And the thing is, is you even get into taxification itself, people who work in it will say, it's sticky. There's things that we're constantly trying to work on. When we're dealing with classification of species, and we have different monomics that we have even to go through domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. So, do kings play chess on funny green squares was what I was taught. But it, breaking it down into more finute things, getting into kingdom animalia and then chordata that has a whole spinal cord to be able to get into like a horse or a cat or something of that nature, but being able to differentiate. But in that, there's so many times where we have to make a sub-phylum or a sub-class or even within that class, another class, because it isn't perfect. Because we're trying to fit something that trace it all the way back and have we found all the fossils to be able to perfectly fit everything in or have we been able to figure out and as we know life is messy it doesn't just perfectly fit and so just like faith there's a lot of ways where we have to try working it and at this point this is the best that we can understand when we are trying to make a phylogenetic tree tracing back to common ancestors all the way back to as far as we can and we gotten it down to where there is three different domains that's the best we can do at the moment and our faith is constantly the same way and it's what jesus is calling us into is what you are understanding right now is a sliver of what i'm hoping that we can continue to do as we keep getting to know each other the amount of information that we understand scientifically now is so much more than what we had a hundred years ago. And we can all acknowledge that. Our faith should continue to do the same thing. So the Twitter question this week is, where are you being challenged? Where are you being challenged? Because when I look at these texts, Jesus is challenging us into a deeper relationship. We are being challenged to try to work together and get through our differences. We are being challenged to, even when it seems hard, to get up and continue to do it. When we're being challenged and saying, even when I have somebody who's been opposing me his whole life or a good portion of his life, 
I still love my son. That's all challenging stuff. And when we deal with DNA and when we think we have something figured out and then to have multiple tests show what you thought, completely wrong, deal with it. Because that's what's going to help us better understand what's around us. In faith, in life, we have to be willing to understand that things are going to change. We see it within our own lives and we see it really in the world around us if we're really watching. And again, that gets into an evolution story and we'll talk about that some other time or call me out on We'll talk about it. Maybe we have to make a special episode talking about it. We have to be willing and able to deal with that, to work through that, to go through that. To have the tough questions, the questions that are hard for us to answer and realize they might not come quickly. Things that we wrestle with. Because the thing is, is when we look at that and we deal with that, we see that in our Bible. We see that people wrestling and dealing with difficult questions. So why can't we do the same? DNA, when we was introduced to taxa, totally changed things. It confirmed some things. It showed we are way off about others. We saw that Tenerex are not that close to hedgehogs, and that's okay. It helps us better actually understand those animals. And so thus, it helps us be able to better understand the creation that God gave us. And to be better tenants of the garden. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.